Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Growing Forward Together. My name is Kenita Skripsma, and I'm the founder and CEO of SEMA Global Consulting, an international speaker and author, and um, thoroughly enjoying being the, the host of this podcast. So SEMA Global Consulting is an organization that is passionate about promoting inclusion through group workshops, leadership development, and transformational coaching for individuals and groups who want to grow forward in their journeys and live into their best self. For more information on what we do, please visit our website at semaglobalconsulting.com. And I would love to hear from you. So drop us a note through the contact page. You'll also have the opportunity to subscribe to our blog, which will be great because we always have the links to our podcasts in our blog and a little bit more information about our guests and um, some of the links that will connect you more effectively to our guests. So without further ado, I want to jump right in to our time together with our special guest. Um, a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of being on Kelly Blackman's show called How to Win at Everything. We had so much fun just preparing for the show and then being on it. And I thought, what a great opportunity for him to bring him, to bring him on our show um, so that my listeners also get to hear more about his story and what he has been up to. And so um, Kelly Blackman, is um, a fellow coach and consultant. And the reason um, I have him on here today is not just because we were able to work together before, but also because he is very passionate about helping individuals live into their best selves. And what unites us is also our passion for inclusion and diversity. Um, Kelly Blackman is the founder of BE Consulting. He is a TED Circle presenter, success coach, and a quality human being. I assure you, I highly encourage you to get in touch with him, to just have a conversation over coffee or to get to know him better. Um, he's a very gregarious and outgoing, passionate person. He has a passion to help people with self-esteem issues and self-limiting beliefs. And um, as the show, like I mentioned earlier, titled uh, How to Win at Everything, Kelly believes it is a great resource to help people overcome issues like poverty, abuse, homelessness, fear, PTSD, and a variety of other issues that um, he gets to uh, engage with other individuals on how they have learned to win and grow forward in their stories. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Kelly Blackman. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Hello, hello, Kanita. It is great to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. I'm excited. And, you know, when we say being here, we're talking virtually because right. we're in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> and us uh, speakers and authors have to get very creative in how to um, right. stay connected and get the content out there, huh? Yeah, definitely. I just got an invite to come speak to a um, uh, an underserved community girls group and they were like, well, we're in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. And I'm thinking, Ooh, do I really want to? Yeah. They're like, no, no, we can do it virtually. It's like, okay, I just, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> That's stressful uh, times, huh? It, it is. I, you know, I just found out last night, my mom was diagnosed. Uh, she actually has COVID and uh, mm -hmm. it is like such a scary thing. So mm -hmm. in a scary time. So to, uh, you know, to try to mitigate some of the uh, dangers, I'm like, let me try to do everything virtual. And, and like you said, it has been a, it has been a very hard pivot for a lot of us yeah. to go from in-person to uh, virtual all the way. Oh man. Well, our prayers are with you for your mom and her healing Thank you. and that she gets better. And I think, you know, right out of the gate, 
Bates, you're sharing your personal story. And I really have appreciated that about you. And I think this whole virtual world, as we connect online, mm-hmm. we're seeing a picture into someone's home, right? And their story. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And unfortunately for our listeners, they're just going to hear us and not see us. <laughs> That's for another day, I'm sure. So go ahead. Would you tell us a little bit more about your story and kind of what are some things that that help you win at everything in your story? And then we'll kind of segue into what's the show about and some of your um, passions currently. So, okay. Uh, so I have a, a, I don't even know if it's a typical story. I know it involves a lot of the stuff that a lot of us have gone through. Um, so as far as coaching, I realized that since I was probably 16 or so, uh, I had this idea in my head, I should help people. So my dad was a therapist. My mom's a nurse. Um, it's it, it's kind of like it's it's in us to to do that sort of thing. Sure. Um, when I, um, I I I attended college though, and I realized that I was um, uh, really into marketing and business, and I decided that's how I'm going to help people. You know, I have this drive. I was working in accounting at the time, and I've always been in some sort of finance or something like that. Uh, so I was working in accounting. And I decided, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go to school. I'm going to use this. I'm going to open my own business. I'm going to do business management. And uh, I really fell in love with marketing, with uh, being inside people's heads and kind of understanding what drove people, what motivated. So uh, like the, the, the gregarious person I was, I was like, let me run and start to open my own business and just start talking to business owners. So everybody in my neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, I'd go to the businesses, I'd talk to them, we'd we'd have conversations, I'd give them a little bit of information about marketing and business. And uh, in a lot of cases, I'd help them out by writing them a business plan or a marketing plan. And that actually allowed them to open up to me about their financials, their goals, and a lot of that. And what I really realized was that most of these people had no real idea about how to run a business. Um, you know, I, I would meet people who were restaurant owners and they were really great cooks, but they had no idea about a marketing plan. They didn't know how to size up their competition. They never heard of a SWOT analysis, that sort of thing. I so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, what, okay. but a lot of us, though, we're yeah. good at what we're good at. And we think, hey, we should have a business in this. And it turns out that a lot of these people were failing because of that. So that became my business. Mm. And I spent uh, so many days. I I spent so much time talking with these guys that it kind of became almost a family atmosphere where I was able to uh, really start to pick up on uh, kind of the trends and and the different patterns of what was making them uh, fail or what kind of information they were missing. So I got really good at that. And I'm a writer. So uh, writing business plans and marketing plans, it was right up my alley. So mm-hmm. it was a really good thing. Um, if I could, I, I could just, just yeah. stop you for one second, because yep. you're, you're really t- painting a picture that says, um, you know, you saw a need. Yeah. You, you, you saw a felt need in that industry and in, in people that were starting businesses in entrepreneurs. Yeah. And you saw that felt need and chose to take the necessary steps to help meet that need. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And I just think that that's really, that's great. It's so encouraging and empowering and appreciative because a lot of people will just say, nope, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go fix it yourself. Sure. Yeah. Right. To kind of quote, 
somebody, anybody, I don't know, just <laughs> my experience right? has right. been, if you're going to, if it's your idea to start that business, then go figure it out yourself. Right. And I right. guess I've been a little victim to that in some situations. Yeah. And yet what I'm hearing you say is you saw that need, you saw that felt need and decided to step in and, and, and walk with them and partner with them and encourage folks with the tools that you had. Boy, when you say it, it sounds so much better than the way it actually happened. <laughs> I was, I, I was not being very altruistic. I saw a need and I was like, this is a perfect, the, the first thing I did was I called, um, uh, man, I can't remember. It's one of these um, really big uh, firms that, that actually works with businesses. And, I, and I'm talking to them and I'm like, hey, so I'm a small business. I'd really like to get uh, an idea of what it would cost, what the what it looks like, what the terms are to be represented and to have pretty much a business coach, you know, from, from your firm. And they were like, well, so are you making at least a million dollars a year? And, like, and, and after I laughed, I was like, no, I realized this probably isn't going to do it. And it just made me realize these people are completely underserved. Like no one, no one's serving that that community of brand new business owners. So really, I just saw an opportunity to start. It just so happens that the people that I started with were the people who I'd grown up around and people who I, I you know, uh, I was a patron to their businesses. So it really was just like relying on family to start to get this understanding. And as I got better at it, I was more able to actually like see, oh, this is an actual need that I can help people so it did change a little, it did change a little bit. But you know, you know what I'm hearing as you're talking, I was like, um, you know what, you are not opportunistic, but you saw a felt need. And yeah. that just really separates one coach from another or one organization from another, right? When it's really about the people and you're seeing their hearts and their needs yeah. and not making it opportunistic. And to think that folks in that arena are underserved yeah. That yeah. kind of just changes the paradigm for me altogether. So that's yeah. really helpful. Thank you for saying that. Yep. And uh, this is earlier times when everybody wasn't a uh, business consultant and that sort of thing. Sure. So it was, it was, it was fruitful and it was, it was great. Um, I, I found myself also, it actually started with my sister and my wife. Uh, they were like, Hey, well, we're working in this place. We'd like to move to this place. And, um, it actually, I kind of stumbled into this idea of being a career coach because what I saw was, again, being a writer, uh, I was helping people uh, with business plans and marketing plans and planning in general. So what happened was uh, after a couple of requests of getting into, uh, hey, can you help me write a resume? I want to go to this job that I'm probably not qualified for, but you got away with words. So can you help me? And uh, <laughs> After the first couple of times, I got people like into big four accounting firms and and really good jobs. I was like, man, this is another thing. And again, just thinking with my pockets, I'm thinking underserved community. I can probably make a pretty penny off of this. And it was right around the time where like Upwork and Fiverr and things like that were coming about. So it was like easy to just take on side projects and make two, three hundred dollars doing a resume and a, and a LinkedIn profile, that sort of thing. And that became uh, my my new hustle so that uh, those two were combining to help me to do really well. Um, the, the, the sad part, though, is that I'm building relationships with people. And and while it's on one hand, I'm really getting to know people. I'm really getting to know how how they progress and how they're moving through and how they think. Mm -hmm. uh, going through these processes. So, you know, I'm getting to 
be familiar with like the imposter syndrome. So stuff that I learned in school is like, I'm actually coming face to face with it and getting to see it. Uh And um, what eventually happened was that almost everyone that I helped get a really good job, a really high paying job, uh, after a while, they were like, hey, can you help me with another resume? I want to move on. I want to do something else. And it's like, well, wasn't this the dream job? And they're like, yeah, but this place is horrible. <laughs> I, I hate yeah. it. And the, this is wrong and that's wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with the business owners. You know, I was helping people start their businesses up and then coming to find out later that these businesses were, they were taxing on these people. People were miserable mm-hmm. running these businesses. And as like, I thought that if I helped you get the business acumen that you needed to run it, that you'd be happy. And turns out they were not. <laughs> so what's missing? What did you learn in that space? Like what were well, they lacking, I guess? Well, so that's that's really what drove me to being like a uh I call it a self-coach or transitional coach or self-mastery yeah. coach. Because what I found out was that all of these people were looking at this idea of success from some other view, some other lens, and they weren't looking at it from uh their own purpose or their own sense of why. Yeah. And and I went back to school for psychology and it started to get me into the, um, really into the practice of looking at the people uh, more so than just what they're telling me, but like looking at the people and where they're actually coming from. And with that, it actually led me into a huge, huge sort of um, eye-opening aha moment of these people have no idea why they're doing this or what they're looking for. So they're bound to, I mean, it's like, hoping that you land in the right spot, hoping that you get to the right destination versus having any real idea of where you really want to go. So in that sense, it really shifted my purpose, uh, my own personal purpose, because again, I want to help people. I want to be a part of people's world where I'm building up and I'm helping to transform people to something better. But it it, it hit me that it wasn't going to come through helping them get this job or that job or getting this pay versus that pay. It was going to really be based on helping them to dive inside and take a look at where they're actually coming from, what's fueling that need, what's fueling that desire. And from there, uh, I actually decided to stop doing these jobs as a side hustle. I actually got incorporated, uh, got certified as a, uh, as a, as a life coach. And uh, that's where it's been for the last few years now. Wow. That's really exciting. You know, and I, I want to ask you really more, more personally, maybe like why, mm-hmm. why, what is your why? Right. But just oh, yeah. before we get to that, I think I love the connection between us with as coaches. Um, I do what I call transformational coaching. Mm-hmm. And our mm-hmm. focus is actually somebody's cultural bent and how right. can really hone in on what is their cultural yeah. bent and how best can they, you know, be that person at the table in whatever conversation or yeah. in whatever situation that's big learning yeah. to live into their authentic self, but they've got to crack mm-hmm. that code of their cultural bent and as it um, weaves together with their emotional health, you know, so in terms of you, like, what is your, why, why do you do this? Yes. I know your, I think you said your wife and your sister were kind mm-hmm. of in that space to help you kind of launch forward. But is there something in your own personal story that said, you know what, I don't want someone else to experience X, Y, and Z. So this is my, why this is my, why I want to get involved or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. So uh, one of the things that, um, I try to make sure I mention as much as possible because I like to take off some of the stigma and the sting of it. Uh, I, I grew up 
really poor. Um, you know, my family grew up on, uh, we're in Chicago, on the west side of Chicago, one of the poorest neighborhoods, um, it's called K-Town. Uh, it, we, we moved from there to the joyous, happy neighborhood of the projects, which was just as bad, if not worse. Mm. And um, my parents were into drugs, um, you know, and, and what, what, what probably happened to me, uh, maybe around 18-ish or so years old, is um, I got to realize that Every, everything that I was doing, um, everything that I was okay with, everything that I was into was kind of a, it was, it was okay because of where I was from. And, you know, I, I'm an African-American male. It's like I got all of these stigmas and all of these things that are expected and accepted uh, in my world and in the world around me. And I started to, I started to take a look at this idea, this concept that what if, what if I was not bound by where I came from, mm. by my economic situation, by my skin color? Mm. What if that was just a part of my story, but that wasn't the story? And, uh, and I got to admit, just, just that sort of paradigm shift in my own mind uh, really led to this new exploration of thought. So I moved from from this sort of uh, acceptance of bad things, this sort of victimism, and moved into a place where I was now making choices. I was now having control in my world. And uh, that that is definitely the thing that I, I ultimately want to help everyone else see. You have a choice and you create your own reality based on those choices that you make. So, um, you know, when I hear that, I'm like, wow, that's really inspiring. That's really encouraging. And it's very hopeful. Right. And yeah. I love to hear yeah. stories that are hope filled. But simultaneously in my head, I'm also hearing several people in my immediate circles saying yeah. things like, oh, so if you just change your mind, if you just have a paradigm shift mentally, then perhaps something like systemic racism doesn't come into the equation. <laughs> Is that what you're going with, right? And I'm not saying yeah. you're doing that. No, right. But, but you and I both know, I'm sure several people that probably yes. have that same kind yes. of ouch moment. And now they're really listening in yep. conversations. So <laughs> let's give them something to think about and, and talk, to, talk to us through that, if you can. Well, definitely, because this, often, this obviously comes up a lot. And um, really, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a very simple concept. And it's very hard. And it's very complex when you start going through it because uh, we'd be here for hours if I started to try to unfold all of the different reasons that uh, this or that uh, sort of thing made sense to me in my early 20s or from my childhood or you know from my different experiences and when you start to try to speak through that uh, yeah that's that's the that's the technical part everyone else sees where they're like wait a minute so if you just change your mind but but if you look at it at as simple as in the simplest terms, it is really changing your mind. It's changing your outlook. It's changing your reality. Now, there is a process that I've gone through that probably took me 20 some odd years to, to get to this point where I'm, I'm not fixed, but I'm working on it, you know? Yeah, and I don't know that any of us are fixed, right? But right, I, right. I actually agree with you in a lot of ways about that. Like a lot of it is attitude of the mind, who we're surrounding ourselves with, and yet I do understand the disparities in this country are really uh -huh, uh -huh. systemic racism does exist. It's not okay. Um, there is a lot of work to be done in those areas. Right. But at the same time, when we're dealing with narrative at narrative, right? One narrative yep, at a time, yep. 
And as we're dealing with individuals, I think it's really important for us to pass on those things that have allowed us to become victors and, you know, yeah. in the well, situation. Well, I think the reality is that people don't recognize the amount of power they have. So, and, and, I don't mean power in the sense of, 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 of political power or monetary power. Power in the sense that the only real power you have is the power to choose. So, would, you say, would you say it's more like a strength and control of the mind and of... Well, uh, sort of, but, but mainly in the sense that it's, a, it's an awareness. Okay. It's an awareness. Mm -hmm. So I, I talk to people all the time about these young guys who are in these neighborhoods and, and, and they'll tell you, I don't have any other choice but to sell drugs. And, okay. you know, like the general public is going to say, well, yeah, but there are free programs for you to go to school. There's this, there's that, except... And, and those are true things. Sure. So you, you look at those people and you have no mercy, no pity, because you say you had a choice and you, you chose to do this. And they're saying, no, I don't have a choice. But do you really have a choice if you're never aware of that choice existing? Ah, there you go. So what you're saying is everybody has a choice, but not everyone is aware of what those choices yes. are. Enter yes. systemic racism. Right. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. the whole mindset of roadblocks that folks have. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and not even all the ones that are that are intentional or, or, or mean spirited or devilish or bad. Uh, even the ones that are just your family grew up this way, your family lives this way. So now your expectations are, are, are driven a certain way based on that. You know, yeah. if you grew up and, and every every male for the last several generations left the mom in your family, how do you know how to be a dad? You know, and 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 now your child is is stuck with whatever reality, whatever version of of manhood that that he's left with. So how how would your son know? How does your son know how to be a dad? Because he's never seen that. He's not choosing that. He didn't ask for his dad to leave. Blah blah blah. But yeah. this is a cycle, yeah. and that cyclical systemic effect it, it's everywhere. Yeah, and you know, I not to I, I'm bringing up a meme that yeah. I've seen in social media and not to make it political, but it just yeah, yeah. really captured what you're sort of saying. So the meme is about um, vice president elect um, Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the meme shows that the first picture was about Rosa Parks and how Rosa Parks sat. So Ruby Bridges could walk. Sure. And Kamala Harris could run. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's just, you see the puns in there a little bit, but also it's yeah. Like, powerful statement that okay yeah. other people in gen in our generations have had to go through things to kind of pave yeah. the way unfortunately yeah. not everyone's going to listen to that to sure. say that that's an opportunity for me to kind of come out of myself and so yeah. i love how coaches like yourself are willing to come alongside not just stand there and tell people what they need to do differently yeah. but there's the sense of coming alongside and you know that talks yeah. about inclusion that really screams yeah. we live in diverse communities but in order to yeah. impact inclusion, it says we need to come alongside. So thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. I love that. One of the things that I really understand about coaching is um, like the, the, real, the real beauty of coaching is that the, the, the information comes from inside of you. It comes from your own experience. So I, I, I've met people who were relationship coaches, um, you know, people who were 
coaches on how to get dates. And whereas for me, I've been married for like 20 years. It doesn't feel like a, a, a real thing. But then I'm coming from this guy's point of view. And he's like, well, I've had to go through so many bad dates. And if I had only known this or that, and it's like his personal experience makes him an expert in that. Absolutely. And, and that's what coaching is. Yeah. It's me bringing myself to the table and myself has all of these screw ups and issues and mistakes and everything that fortunately I was blessed enough to learn from. So now it's like it was all it would be almost criminal in my mind not to share that with someone. Yeah, I recently recorded a uh, with a guest um, and it'll be coming out on another podcast. But we talked about that. There was a there's a phrase in the Native American culture that says a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Yeah. And she tied that to the idea that people will come to the table, but they don't have a voice unless you allow yeah. them that voice. And unless yeah. they find their own voice to be able to take some authority with their narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. into the equation exactly and, it. and to really like just to ask for what they want or what they mm -hmm. need. And I think the more that um, individuals who are marginalized and do sit on the fringes, or even in your case, what you're talking about, folks that are starting businesses and aren't well equipped, yeah. or yeah. you know, they're in communities like in the projects and they don't know what direction because that's the water that they've been swimming in. That's right. That's I right. think that's really important for people to come alongside and be mentors and you know, kind of like a support staff, yeah. if you will, yeah. <laughs> in your day-to-day -day life, right? That's 100 percent um, it, yeah. So one of the things that um, you and I have briefly talked about in this whole bigger conversation um, is about self-esteem issues and self-limiting beliefs, right? Oh, yeah. And oh, I know yeah. we've touched on the fact that it's important for us to change our mental paradigm so that we can grow forward in our stories, you know, mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. of our, our tangents there. But I think, um, can you talk to us a little bit about what that means in your story? How did you really struggle with self-esteem issues and self-limiting beliefs? Is that strictly around being a black man in America or where you lived or is well, there, can you build on that at all? Yeah. So uh, I think in each one of our stories, uh, it is layered. It is very, very layered. And I can talk about, yeah, getting stopped by the police a bunch of times and, and that sort of thing. But uh, even, even closer to home, uh, when I was 18, I had just graduated high school. I considered myself a performance artist because all Black guys in the neighborhood were rappers. Mm -hmm. And I remember <laughs> I threw a talent show and uh, it was going to be a legit talent show. I, I had worked with our alderman before being a, uh, a canvasser and that sort of thing. Uh, so I spoke to our alderman. I'm like, hey, I want to I want to get the Chicago police to come and be like the security for this thing. I want to use the Chicago Park Districts. I want to use all of these resources. And and I worked on this thing for about a month. And I remember I was so happy. I was so proud. And I told my dad, I was like, dad, I'm going to throw this huge talent show is going to net thousands of dollars and everything. And it's going to be really good, successful. And I remember my dad and my dad is, is a great guy, but he says, I don't think that's going to work. Mm. And I remember how much that hit me, like just directly in the heart. My dad said it wasn't going to work. And I stopped. I stopped working on it. Like, Why was that important to you? Why was it important that he heard you and affirmed your direction? Well, because when we're talking about beliefs, where are our beliefs based, based? What are they based on? Who gets to say what's a real belief or not? And your parents ultimately are the first layer of people who get sure. to shape you and, and shape your beliefs and what's real and what's not. And, and I, 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 looking back on it, it is so amazing. I literally stopped that day working mm -hmm. on it. And the talent show wasn't for about another month. 
And uh, what's, what's really interesting about this is that day of the talent show, the day that the talent show was supposed to be, I get a call from the police chief. I get a call from the alderman. I get a call from the park district. And they're like, hey, is this still going on? Because we, we, reserve, we reserve this space for you. You know, we got the such and such. This is in place that I had done it already. I had literally done so much of it that uh -huh. it was done. And my dad told me it wouldn't work. So I dropped it. And that was such an aha moment for me. It was like, holy crap. My dad, who I'm looking at is, is godlike figure, is just a person. Just like everybody else who gives you any sort of information, any sort of opinion. So it all says, and you know, that doesn't mean disregard it, but it does mean look at everybody like they're people. So anytime anyone's giving you this information, still run it through what makes sense or not. And in that sense, uh, we had a great talent show, <laughs> maybe, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of dollars. And, and it was great. It was a really great thing. And I had done it, even though I totally believed in that, that I, he was right. Yeah. You know, building on that over the years, I've been able to see that in a lot of other circumstances where well-meaning people, so not just society or the racism or the you know, the racist system or this or that. I mean, even my own family, like well-meaning people are going to tell you things that maybe aren't right. So it's really more about me understanding. Again, I have a choice. I have a choice to listen to that and think, oh, is it legitimate? If it is, how can I avoid the things that they're talking about yeah. versus, no, man, they said something bad. It's obviously going to be bad. Yeah. You know, I, 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 as I'm hearing you, I'm hearing some other words, right? Like, okay, with your dad, how did you reconcile that? And then you went ahead and shared, you decided that, wow, he is one person that's giving me a pretty po powerful statement, but people will do that in your story over time. And so uh -huh, uh -huh. the second thing you were talking about, you know, you just kind of make that choice to keep going forward and you kind of you know, sure. think through that. And that is the definition of overcoming, right? Yeah, so you yeah. overcome so much of that and you didn't take it as rejection, you mm -hmm. took it as a detour. And I think those of us that have learned some hard lessons in our stories and learned to overcome, we're able to, um, you yeah, know, look to at those that. situations not as like to be dead and stop in our tracks, but it's a detour, right? Well, who, I, th who knows I think how what, that would have gone differently otherwise. Uh, well, so I guess that's the part that makes it interesting to me. I, I, I did take it as rejection. I did sure. stop in my tracks, right. you know, and to, to have it be a case where I thought, I, I I assumed I was limited by his belief sure. and, and who knows where all of that lies, yeah. but I was limited by his belief and stopped completely in my tracks. And then to have it all go off without a hitch, it was like, wait a minute. It, it, it took away some of the power of other people's thoughts, of other people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. And it started making me kind of get to the point where I realized, wait, I, I chose that. I chose to do the work for it. I chose it and it happened. Yeah. And you know, empowering. About it, you had a sense of calling around that work yep. and it happened. Yep. And I think when I think of scenarios like that in my own personal story, I'm pretty clear that I don't let those folks or their messages define me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They didn't create me, although, yeah, okay, my parents created me. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, God, God created me, God defines me. And That's right. I need That's to, right. you know, reframe how I think. I need to take my thoughts captive and to make sure yep. that, Yep. You know, they're for a healthy journey and not one that will cause me ill, ill-mannered or whatever. Um, I think for me, I had to learn to break those chains as well is kind of how I term it. Um, yeah. So that when I became a mom and when I had a family, yeah. 
we just did it differently. I, I made a clear decision that some of those messages, like not some, yeah. but all of those messages <laughs> were going to die with me, right? They were going right. to die with this generation and not continue yeah. on. So good for you for kind of weaving that into your story a little bit, but also yeah. how that yeah. really helps other folks and our listeners really to hear you and hear your mm-hmm. heart. Um, and for anyone looking for a coach in your capacity, you know, they have the opportunity to come forward and say, help me out. Give me some direction. Yeah. Yeah. How to um, kind of navigate some of these waters. Well, thank you. And I I think that's really important. Absolutely. Your personal narrative then is is what I'm getting at, right? Your personal narrative is helping make and how you frame it. Yeah. Make the change that you want to see happen. And I think each individual, as people start to really harness what their gifts and strengths are, then they're able to um, mm-hmm. win at everything, right? So That's I'd right. love yeah. to segue now into your um, your show that you have called yes. How to Win at Everything. I remember when you and I first had our conversation about that, I looked at the title and I thought, wow, I don't care to win at everything. I just want to play. And um, this actually came up <laughs> this weekend as I was preparing for our interview here that um, my husband and I were playing ping pong. And I just had an absolute blast. Now, don't get me wrong. I am highly competitive in any game, you know, cards, chess, ping pong, badminton. I will clean your clock. Right. And and yet this time I noticed when we were playing, he won more of the games than I did. Mm-hmm. But I could feel the strategy and the, um, the tenacity at which I was playing with was mm-hmm. so much more enjoyable. Nice. Right. And so for me, nice. the win was the fact yep. that I had grown in my technique and I was really having a blast and it wasn't just to win. There and you go. old me was to win. Right. Right. As I, so then I get back to your title of your, your show, it's how to win at everything. And when you and I talked about that originally, um, you kind of challenged me to think of it from the opposite angle. Will mm. you talk to us a little bit about what is the show? Why are you doing yeah. it? And maybe how people can engage with you around that. Well, well, thank you, because that is a beautiful segue, first off. Secondly, uh, I, I love the title, How to Win at Everything, because it what it really does is it makes you initially think of whatever you think of as your fundamental win. So when you're playing ping pong, I need to score more points. I need to win this match. And, and, and that is a win, right? Except I play pool with my dad a lot. My Well, I used to play pool with my dad a lot before COVID. Um, and and my dad gets so pissed off when you beat him. He's like, oh, well, I mean, you could tell he takes it personal. Sure. And I realize that I'm probably a better pool player, but the win for me is different than a win for him. That's a win a- for me, yeah. yeah, a win for me is spending the time with my dad and having it be a peaceful situation. So, you know, hopefully he'll never, he'll never hear this, but he probably will. I let him win. Yeah. Let him win a bunch. You know, I sorry, hey. I don't want to interrupt, but I no, go ahead, go ahead. Your comment that yeah, the win was for me, the win was for your dad. It's just it's unique to your story, your situation. That's right. That's right. You know what the backstory is as to why that's necessary in your mm-hmm. story, right? There's other mm-hmm. things. And for me, when I think of just ping pong, just that game for that weekend, I knew yep. what was going into that, right? Um, I have covered <laughs> surgery and there are still things that I cannot do, but to be able to nice. play ping pong in that way and do it so well that was a success that's a win that's right how to win at everything go ahead keep talking i want to hear more and i know our listeners do too yeah well i mean so that's what it that's what it ends up coming down to it it the the show it, it speaks to this idea of yeah let's get the tools you need to to get these wins but just the title itself uh it's really more about focusing on how do you define 
winning? How do you define success? Because usually um, it's the case that, again, we're defining these things by other people's definitions. Sure. And that ultimately, uh, in the same way that um, I'm helping people start businesses, and they get into those businesses and they're miserable. I'm helping people get these six-figure jobs and they get into the jobs and they're miserable. Mm. And it really leads you to this whole thought of, well, what the heck is it to be successful then? How, how is it that you win? This is what the show is born out of. Um, I'm on my second season right now. Hey, the first season. Yes, uh, it's so much fun too. And thank you for being on. Absolutely, um, you you know from the show you were on, we had a chance to talk about PTSD. Yeah. We talked about uh, we talked about some of everything really. But <laughs> we PTSD. We talked about yeah relationships. We talked about uh, getting getting the hard lessons that you needed that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so my goal for the show in general is there are some root things that happen in everyone's life. So this goes across cultures, this goes across financial backgrounds, uh, this goes across education. All of us are challenged or faced with different things. And my, my goal with the show is to highlight the things that people needed to have, the foundational pieces that people needed to have in order to get through, to get over, get by, to overcome. So that whole first season was basically how to win at everything overcoming yourself. And when when you think about your story, um, you get all of these things happening when you're younger, these self-limiting beliefs that are coming from the people who care about you and blah, 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 but they're limiting you. Yeah. And, and so we got a chance to discuss which things, what foundational pieces you put into place to get over those things, to get by those things. And when I consider that, um, you know, like having done the show for a while, you you see that people, they rely on some of the same things. People rely on their faith. They rely on this, they're, they're feeling their idea of God. They rely on their family. Sure. They rely on uh, different lessons. They rely on their, their own personal why. I have one young lady, she said, my mom was abusive. We grew up in the projects. We were in foster care. Uh, she had lots and lots of problems. I was, and she's like, and I have a great relationship with my mom now. And I know multiple people who have that problem, that, that, yeah. that same issue. And I ask, so how are you able to have this relationship with her? Nice. And she's like, I forgave her. Hey. It's like, how do you do that? Right. Because uh, the mom is, is the bad guy. And I think a lot, especially in our culture, we're taught uh, you hate the bad guy, you you give them all the badness and you hope that they get the worst thing because they've been sure. bad. Except in reality, uh, the mom is just as broken as anyone else. Exactly. And she's broken because of some, uh, typically a set of circumstances that she hasn't been fully in control of either. Yeah. So you get to stop that, that cycle by basically, and this is what she said, um, I knew that if I didn't change and become different, she's like, because I had gotten into some issues with abuse of my child. Sure. And she's like, and I knew if I didn't change that, I had to, I was going to go through the same thing. My child's going to go through the same yep. thing. Yep. And to me, it's like that, that piece is, is, I mean, I'm not talking to a multi-billion dollar person, blah, blah, blah. That piece was so monumental though, because mm -hmm. this woman has found a way to forgive someone who was basically a villain in her world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is so transformational, right? Forgiveness mm -hmm. is, is really the key. You mm -hmm. experienced it with your dad in that scenario that you were saying, and yeah. I'm sure multiple other areas of your story, we all do. 
you know, and I think um, that would have been the case for me as well. Like when you, when I learned how to forgive certain people in my life, I was free, right? That's why it was so transformational. And then I wasn't repeating the same choices, but then realizing brokenness breeds brokenness, right? right. So being able to um, appreciate that and understand that, and we will continue those patterns. I also think that our generation, as we're referring to our parents, but our generation Mm -hmm. has different resources Sure. Yeah. Having yeah. more information and more, yeah. um, more ways of learning how to do things differently, just like our kids' generation has also. Yeah. They grew up in the tech season, right? Like the tech yeah. era. Um, and so That's just right. to kind of see more and more and more how each generation is being impacted and are mm-hmm. taking advantage of those resources. So that's cool for making those connections. Thank you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, how does somebody get in touch with you around um, the show? Like, what kind of a, uh, a guest are you looking for? So in my second season, I decided to take, so the first season is basically about personal, personal situations. The second season, I'm really speaking to entrepreneurs um, because in a lot of ways, that's where all of this started for me. And um, so I am definitely looking at entrepreneurs who are helping with all the foundational pieces. So I just had Laura Gassner Odding on great lady she's a a coach herself she's you know she worked on she worked in the white house she's a best-selling author Mm -hmm. and her whole thing is to talk about how do you find your own personal why Mm -hmm. and for me it's like those are the things that i'm really trying to hit on in the second season so i'll be talking about leadership uh i'll be talking about um uh how do how do you how do you how does diversity help and starting a business, you know, so pretty much everything from a beginning entrepreneur's point of view, I'm going to lay all of those things out. So by the time the season is over, if you're starting a business or like to start a business, you should have the groundwork because everyone, you, you can go online easily and find out about how to write a business plan, or you can do a marketing funnel right online. But these things are the foundational pieces, I believe. So if, if you, if you'd like to be uh, on the show, or if you'd like to just watch the show, you can always go to my YouTube channel, which is uh, how to win at everything. And the links uh, will be at the, at our blog site as well. Definitely. So folks thank you with you right away. Yeah. That's right. You can also uh, catch up with me on Facebook, the Facebook page, same thing, how to win at everything. And on LinkedIn, you can always uh, go right to uh, Kelly Blackman. Uh, I don't know how many of us there are, but I am definitely on LinkedIn and uh, Kanita will share that link also. Yes, I will for sure do that. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking of a few folks that uh, would be great guests for you. So nice, yeah. be, uh, getting them connected to you via email. I love networking. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love networking too. I know it's yeah. so fun. Um, it just kind of expands my world while I'm still at home, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It opens up so much for you. It does. Yeah. So, okay. Tell me, tell me um, any closing comments that you would like to share with our guests now um, before we close up? Sure. Uh, the the I think for me the the main issue is uh, with life in general is about finding uh, your purpose, which will lead to you finding your calling, which ultimately leads to happiness. And I think that there are some wonderful tools out there to give you a hand with doing that. Uh, I recommend that everyone get a good coach. Uh, someone who can call them on their BS, someone who can really talk to them and speak to their their 
personal needs. They're they're speak to them directly. Um, but I think that everyone should be looking for that first because that will be like the overarching design that helps you to have everything else in your life. And that really dictates how happy and fulfilled you are. Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you so much for saying all that. Um, definitely get in touch with the coach um, is really helpful. Um, I've been told on occasion that the coaching has helped um, individuals go see an actual therapist because yeah, perhaps yeah. things have been uncovered yep. where they're able to now get medication if they need yep. that in that direction or, you know, just deeper therapy types of things. That's right. Um, and I think that's really important. Now you're a therapist, you're a licensed therapist, right? I no, licensed coach, uh, certified coach. I don't do the therapy. You that's had a my dad. degree. I think that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yes. So okay. I, I've gone, but yep. you know, I think that's been, that's important to, to, for folks to realize that sometimes having a coach is just a safe place to kind of start the it process is. and it kind is. of dip our toes in the water. Um, yep. and then just kind of get that feel for it. And I think good coaches right. will always direct you to a therapist when needed. That's you know. right. And, and I look, I've had a couple of therapists at this point, so I know it is a good thing. It is yep. necessary in a yep. lot of cases. Yep. Ditto <laughs> over the years. <laughs> quite a journey, but it's been good. Good. Um, right. You got to keep learning, keep innovating and keep growing yeah. forward. So uh -huh. thank you so much, Kelly, for being on the show today. We just really enjoyed our time together again. Always. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to connecting with you somewhere down the road. So I appreciate your time. Um, also to our listeners, just to remind you that everything will be on the website on SEMA Global Consulting's website. I will have all the links uh, written right in there at the blog with more of an introduction to um, Kelly and his work. And then links also as well for his show, How to Win at Everything. In the meantime, I just want to encourage you to keep living your story, keep um, staying focused on how to grow forward. And you know what? Don't be afraid to call on a coach connect with us. We can link you up to somebody to find a good fit, um, right. but just don't go it alone. You know, find someone to walk with, um, mm -hmm. be open with, and, um, you know, to, here's to growing forward together. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Thanks everyone.